I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be taking you through the latest Arsenal-related transfer news. And of course, there are lots of rumours flying around, lots of reports flying around concerning Arsenal players and potential targets. And we're going to be breaking all of that down on this edition of the show. Uh, I want to apologise for the lack of a live show yesterday. Did manage to get a video and a podcast, a very short one, out to you guys yesterday regarding Gabriel Jesus. Uh, but I was uh, at work. I was at TalkSport uh, in the afternoon, so I did struggle uh, to get any other form of content uh, over to you guys. But anyway, here we are, and uh, we've got lots and lots and lots to talk about, uh, as always. Uh, let's uh, say a few hellos, though, before we dive into it. Big hello to Connor Weeks, to Afsar, uh, to Luke, to Johnny, to Shreyas, to Tom, who said, where is it? Harry, pretty sure I saw you and the family in Morrison's the other day. If it was the Enfield Morrison's, on the A10, you probably did. Um, I was there. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had to drag the whole family along just to get like five things. It's such a nightmare when that happens, right? Because you end up then spending like basically <laughs> double, triple the amount of money. Whereas me, I'm like, I need this, this and this. You go in there, you shoot in there, you get what you want and you leave. Um, and, and it's as simple as that. But it didn't quite work out for me uh, on the day. You should have come and said hello, mate, um, if you did indeed see me. Uh, it would have been good to meet you, of course. Right, let's uh, continue with some more hellos. Uh, I feel like a sneeze is coming. There it was. Oh, God. Um, who else we got in the live chat? Do apologize. Hay fever's bad today. It's been bad every day, but the last couple of days, I felt like I was turning a bit of a corner with it. Only today, uh, it's knocked me for six again. Um Shreyas, uh, Chris, Wandering Minstrel, Balaji is with us. Alistair's with us. Uh, big hello to Above and Beyond, uh, who joins us as well. Um, joins us from Florida. Supposed to get up to 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Florida today. That is really hot. hope we uh, get some news uh, to match. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, it would be nice. But at the moment, there's still a lot of talk and a lot of reports and a lot of rumours. But there isn't any real concrete news um, to uh, to discuss, which is a little bit disappointing. But there are, as I say, a few rumours that we're going to make sure that we get right across. OK, um, big hello to Fido, uh, to Matt, who says ready for some good Arsenal news because my New York Knicks disappointed me yet again last night. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, above and beyond has started a new job in the ER. Um, so it's definitely going to be a busy one. At least we've got the weekend off. Congratulations to you, mate, on the new job. And I'm sure uh, you're going to smash it. <laughs> Fatality DMV. Uh, it says, Harry, on point with the mute button. Absolutely. Um, Matt says, you were spotted in Morrison's. I was. I was. Uh, Owen says that you feel the hay fever pain. I do. I do. It is getting me today. Uh, there's a few questions in there, but we'll we'll get to the questions a little bit later on. Um, lots of you with us live at the moment. So if I could just ask before we continue into the show, uh, if you could please leave a like on the video, that really, really does help. And if you could subscribe to the channel, if you're new, I'd be very, very grateful. Okay, let's begin. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Before we begin, 
Panos says, happy birthday, Harry. It isn't my birthday, uh, but thank you in advance. My birthday is not until August. Um, but yeah, thanks anyway, I guess. <laughs> okay, look, let's uh, let's start breaking it down then. Let's talk uh, a little bit about uh, some of the news doing the rounds at the moment. Let's start off uh, with the latest on Rafinha. Now, we've been hearing a lot about Arsenal's uh, efforts to land Rafinha, that he is a primary target for the Gunners this summer. Um, we know that Arsenal made a bid for the player, but we know that that bid was well below uh, what Leeds United are looking for. We know that Arsenal failed uh, to reach uh, Leeds United's asking price, and we know that that offer was swiftly rejected. In fact, it was rejected the next morning. So, um it looks as though Arsenal are going to have to go back and they're going to have to go back with a much better offer, a much more appealing offer, one that would be more likely, hopefully, to tempt Leeds into allowing the player to leave. Now, um, there are rumours and there are murmurs of an offer going in, a second offer, that is. But we don't know if that is true at this stage. As I say, those they, they are just rumours. They are just reports. Um, and according uh, to that report, Arsenal have uh, lodged a bid worth 70 million euros in total. So it doesn't quite hit the 65 million pound mark that Leeds are said to be uh, wanting any club that potentially takes Rafinha on to hit. But it's supposedly made up of an upfront bid of 55 million euros with 15 million pounds, uh, I beg your pardon, 15 million euros worth of add ons. Now, I'm always wary of reports that that state a price in euros when it's a deal between um between two english clubs like why would you negotiate in euros you know this is arsenal to leeds this is not arsenal to barcelona this is not barcelona to leeds etc etc this is arsenal to leeds so when you hear of reports of sort of valuations and of prices and they're in euros you start to think i don't really know if this is coming from a credible source, I believe that it came from a Spanish source um, that is supposedly all over the Rafinha stuff because of uh, Barcelona's interest in the player. Barcelona's interest has been talked about in the last few days as, as cooling, um, you know, recently because of uh, the fact that they seemingly can't afford to pay what Leeds are looking for. It looks like Usmane Dembele could well sign a new contract at Barcelona as well, which would reduce the need for somebody like Rafinha. There's also talk today that they've lodged a bid for Robert Lewandowski uh, from Bayern Munich. And so when you take all those things into consideration, it feels unlikely that Barcelona are going to be able to meet Leeds' financial demands. However, we do know the player wants that move and the player would be open and interested in that move. But there's no point in having someone, as I said yesterday or the day before, as your first choice if that deal is simply not viable. And it doesn't look viable at the moment because of the, the reasons I've just mentioned. So Arsenal could could land Rafinha if they want to. The question is, do Arsenal want to go that little bit extra? Do Arsenal want to go that little bit further and meet the asking price that Leeds have been very, very clear on? Now, I think as the window goes on and as this saga drags on, I do think that Leeds United will relax their stance slightly. Um, I think that they'll relax their stance slightly on uh, on Rafinha. I think they're playing hardball at the moment and why wouldn't they? It's very, very early in the window. Uh, there's no need to go big. Uh, sorry, there's no need to, to sort of say, 
well, you know, we're in a bit of a panic here. We we need to get this done straight away. There's there's just no need at all. So Leeds will definitely bide their time. They've got plenty of time um, to still get this done. Thank you very much. I had to text my wife to bring me my laptop charger in the middle of the stream because I started it with bloody no battery. So thank you, Eleanor. Uh, back to it. But look, I just... I just think that Leeds are in a position now this early in the window where they can stick to their guns, where they can be fussy, where they can be difficult and they can be very firm on the price that they are looking for and the price that they are asking for. There's no reason for them to back down at this stage in the window. Now, if you get to, you know, coming up to August, then people might look at it and go, well, you know, Leeds could probably do with getting the money in. They'll want to get it in so that they can, do some business themselves to potentially um, to potentially replace Rafinha, but they'll also want to do the business so that they know what their season is going to look like. I think if you're Jesse Marsh, it's really, really difficult to plan for the new season when you don't really know what Rafinha's situation is going to be. Now, I was talking to a really good friend of mine yesterday uh, down at TalkSport, Jeremy Fulham, who is uh, the producer of the show that I do, um, The Social. Back on there today, by the way, uh, between 4 and 6 p.m., TalkSport 2 with Shabana Hearn, if you're interested. Um, but he's a, a big Leeds fan, Jeremy, and we were talking about this and we were talking about what the situation might be with Rafinha. And what I found really, really interesting was that Jeremy said, I wouldn't be surprised if Leeds kept hold of him and kept hold of him until the World Cup. Now, that could be partly driven by Rafinha as well, who, of, of course, wants to move on and wants to better his career and wants to go to a club where he's going to be much more in the spotlight, you know, where he's got a greater chance of winning things. He's not going to be involved in relegation battles, etc., etc. But there is this question mark that, that sort of Jeremy raised, and I think a lot of Leeds fans are thinking about, which is, well, if Rafinha does come to Arsenal and doesn't play every single week, which is a real possibility when you think about the fact that he plays in Bukayo Saka's position. What does that do for him going into the World Cup? And obviously the, the season coming up is a weird one. It's a strange one because the World Cup is slap bang in the middle of it. So would Rafinha move somewhere or be dead set on moving somewhere where he isn't 100% sure he's going to play going into the World Cup? Now, I'm not saying Rafinha isn't good enough to be in the Arsenal team. But Rafinha's best position for me is from the right wing. I've talked about it previously. Can he play centrally? Probably. Can he play from the other flank as well? I'm sure he can. But Rafinha's made his name coming from the right-hand side. And does he walk into that Arsenal team and start ahead of Bukayo Saka week in, week out? And if he doesn't, does that impact on him going into the World Cup? And will that be on his mind? It was an interesting point. Um, I'd never thought about it before. Because I still think that even if he joins Arsenal to play primarily in Bukayo Saka's position, he's going to get so much game time. He's going to be so involved. He's going to be a crucial part in the squad. Ultimately, as a football club, would you go out and spend the best part of 60, 65 million pounds on someone that you don't have big plans for? Probably not. So, you know, from that point of view, I think he will get the game time. But there might just be that seed of doubt in Rafinha's mind. But going back to the, the report and the bit of news, it's that Arsenal have apparently submitted a second bid worth, as I say, 55 million euros up front and 15 million euros in add-ons. Is it going to happen? I don't know. Um, you know, is that bid, is that report around that bid completely legit? Is it definitely true? Again, I don't know. Questionable source. And I'm kind of waiting and holding on 
to hear something from the likes of David Ornstein, who brought us the news of the first bid before I get carried away about it. But it does feel like Arsenal are going to go back in. The question is, have they done it already? Um, I think it's a matter of uh, when rather than if with regards to whether or not Arsenal are going to go in and table another offer for the Brazilian. So that's the latest update uh, on Rafinha. If you've got questions, um, hold on to them because we are going to do a good question and an answer section um, during uh, the latter part of this show. But there's just a couple of other bits I want to bring you up to date on. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Nuno Tavares, uh, of course, being uh, linked um, with a move away from Arsenal this summer. Now, there was talk of Atalanta being interested and we had some comments from uh, their sporting director a few days ago, which kind of signified that it is difficult for Italian clubs more often than not to get players from Premier League clubs because of the disparity in the financial power between the two sides. And I completely understand that. Um, but I have said repeatedly, and I do genuinely think that Atalanta would be a really good fit for Nuno Tavares. I've talked about the way they play football. They play with a back three. They play with wing backs. And I think that Nuno Tavares could go there, really thrive, show, um, you know, what what it is that essentially attracted him or attracted Arsenal to him in the first place. And I think he could go there and he could really rediscover his, himself and his confidence. So I would be for this move, but it's dependent on Arsenal going out there and bringing in somebody who can backfill that position. Now, I've talked about Atalanta and that was the, the rumours doing the rounds just a few days ago. But in the last 24 hours or so, Marseille have emerged as candidates to take Nuno Tavares on loan. And it's understood that they want an option to buy the player inserted in that deal as well. I'm not sure I'd be putting an option to buy the player in there at this moment in time. I'd want to leave it open-ended. I'd want to negotiate that come next summer, if indeed he does go out on loan. But it seems like Marseille have almost cottoned on to the fact that there are a few players in and around the Arsenal side that may be deemed surplus to requirements at Emirates Stadium, but could well do a job in the French League. And they've already benefited from that in signing uh, William Saliba uh, for the duration of last season. Also as well, uh, you know, they've, they've taken Matteo Guendouzi and they've now turned that, or they're going to turn that into a permanent deal. So, Marseille are clearly keeping tabs on Arsenal and they've identified Nuno Tavares as somebody who could come in there and really, really help him. Look, it would help him wherever he goes. If he can play regular football um, and get the opportunity to showcase what it is that he is good at, because there are lots of things that he's good at. For all the faults that we saw towards the back end, particularly in the second half of last season, you can understand why there are clubs interested who look at him as a bit of a diamond in the rough, as somebody that if they could just polish him a little bit, uh, they'd end up with a really, really good player on their hands. So I'm not opposed to Nuno Tavares going out there, getting that experience um, and, and almost getting the opportunity to rebuild some of the confidence that he probably lost towards the back end of last season if Arsenal have sufficient cover. And of course, all the talk at the moment is around Lisandro Martinez of Ajax, who can play both at left-back and at centre-back. Some people say he can play in defensive midfield as well, which makes him a really versatile option. Um, and, and I'd be well up for that signing. But I do get the feeling and the impression that with Lisandro Martinez, or if we want Lisandro Martinez, we're going to have to pay big money. Ajax have allowed already a number of players, a number of important players to leave the club 
this summer and I envisage them allowing more to go because there is a lot of interest from some of Europe's big boys around a lot of their budding talents. Are they going to sell everyone this summer? No, they're bloody not. So if they are going to have to slow down in terms of sales, I'm not saying they'll shut the door to clubs like Arsenal or Manchester United that are sniffing around some of their talent because Ajax's model is to develop and to sell. It has been for many, many years. But you're going to have to pay top dollar. You know, Lissandro Martinez is not going to be allowed to leave for for cheap and um, and rightly so from Ajax's point of view. So we're probably going to have to pay about 40, 45 million euros to get that deal done. So if you want to do that and uh, and you can bring in some type of loan fee for Nuno Tavares and that helps uh, subsidize at least some of that money, then think about it, consider it. Um, because Nuno Tavares, who I think really does need game time, is going to have his opportunities limited um, in the event that Lissandro Martinez comes in. So if that is a deal that Arsenal can get done, then why not allow Nuno to go out and, uh, and as I say, hopefully uh, rebuild some of that confidence that he may have lost in recent months. Want to talk a little bit about Gabriel Jesus. We dropped a, a little update yesterday about the fact that that one is edging ever closer. And I do genuinely believe that to be the case. Um, David Ornstein said yesterday that it's not quite at the stage where a fee has been completely agreed, but the two teams are there or thereabouts in terms of what one another are looking uh, to, to put down on this deal, what Manchester City are looking to receive. Give me one second. Let me just plug this charger in. There we go. Apologies. Last thing we need is the battery of the computer dying <laughs> uh, in the middle of the stream. Um, yeah, so it, it looks as though that is edging closer. David Ornstein, as I say, reported yesterday that the, there is no set agreement on the fee, but that the two teams are not a million miles away from one another on that. So I expect that to be done in the not too distant future. We've heard that personal terms are not believed to be an issue. We talked about it yesterday, 220 to 240,000 pounds a week is what he's said uh, to be wanting and what Arsenal are willing to pay. So I think we just got to be patient on this one. A few people have kind of raised the point as well over the last about the fact that, you know, why would Arsenal want to bring players in now? Um, and then have to pay them for longer. I, I don't really think that's that's neither here nor there, to be honest. I, I, I don't really think that's a big deal or a big issue. I think that Arsenal would probably prefer to get their business done as soon as possible so that they're prepared and ready for the new season. OK, um, that's the latest on Jesus. We're going to talk a little bit about Tielemans as well, and we're going to talk a little bit about Hector Bayerin before we come to some of your questions. But if I could just quickly remind you, once again, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. There are um, over 450 of you with me live right now. There's no reason why we can't get up to 200 likes. So please do smash that like button if you haven't done so already. Um, Adam Bennett says, repeating the same stories over and over. Don't you get bored? We're discussing the information that we have available to us. And um, actually, I I am getting a bit bored of it, to be honest with you. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I enjoy doing transfer content. I don't. Um, it's my least favorite content to make. Um, but there are lots of people here. There have been lots of people here over the last few days. So clearly it's not that bad, mate. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it is it is tedious. Uh, it can get a little bit tedious. And we're only getting slight differentials in the information that we get from day to day, which makes it 
um, it, it makes it a little bit, you know, more difficult to kind of, you know, to keep moving forward through the window. And, and, and as you say, to, to not get bored of it, it is tough, but you know, people, uh, people want to hear about it. People want to talk about it. People want to be in the loop and, um, and that's what we're doing here. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you don't like it, mate, I don't know what to say. <laughs> There's other things you could be doing on your Friday afternoon. Anyway, uh, let's keep moving. Uh, Jid says, uh, what's the use of taking Tavares on loan if Arsenal are going to buy a replacement for him? He wouldn't go want to go on loan and come back to be third choice. No, agreed. But Lissandro Martinez might be seen in the bigger picture as a centre-back, in which case Tavares would be second choice left-back. But maybe using Lissandro to kind of fill that hole when necessary could allow Tavares to go out and get the game time and then develop further in the way that he clearly needs. Um, so I'm not saying that it would be a long-term solution that Lissandro Martinez would be the second choice left back. And then Nuno Tavares as a result would be relegated down to third choice. I think to, uh, Martinez would come in as a centre-back. We don't have another left-footed centre-back at the club. So I think he would come in as a centre-back, but with a view to potentially filling that position and then freeing up Tavares for the time being to go out and develop in the way that he needs to. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Uh, JW, we're going to carry on with the with the chat in a minute, but there's just a couple of uh, points I want to address in the chat. JW says, do you watch Latte Firm? The breakdown on Tielemans is quite shocking. Jacques, Jacques, <laughs> Jacques in comparison, beats him hands down in almost all departments. Not a Jacques hater, by the way. He's important to us. Um, I do watch the Latte Firm. It's, it's one of the best Arsenal YouTube channels out there. Uh, big shout out to FK because he's done a fantastic job there. Um, so, yeah, his, his content is excellent. But I haven't watched the Tielemans one yet. I've watched some of the others he's done recently, but I haven't got around to seeing that one yet. Um, but I will. I will check it out. Uh, lots of people are grateful that we're doing the daily content. So thank you uh, for that. Uh, what else have we got? Right, let's uh, quickly check off my bullet points. I did write, so I'm a bit all over the place today. I think I was a little bit unsettled by the fact that I was watching the battery percentage on my laptop, like, dramatically dropping as it does when you're on a live stream with a camera plugged in and a microphone plugged in and God knows what else. Um, but getting back on track has been a little bit all over the place this episode. I know. Um, Tielemans, let's talk Tielemans because it seemed a few days ago, like that deal was completely dead in the water. And whilst I've not heard anything to suggest that we're back uh, in the race for Tielemans or that this is, more likely than it was two days ago when we was talking about the fact that it has hit a bit of a snag. But there are reports coming out that Arsenal have obviously put a lot of work into this. You know, the, the work to get Tielemans to Arsenal and to convince him that Arsenal is the next destination for him began ages ago, months ago. Um, and, uh, and so there are kind of suggestions that because of the time and effort Arsenal have put in to try and get this done, they're not ready to completely walk away from Yuri Tielemans and that they could go back in for him later on in the window. What this particular report that I'm referring to suggests is that actually where we thought that there might have been an issue with the intermediaries or some of the other parties involved in the transfer, what this report is suggesting is that Arsenal, who had planned to pay around about £25 million for Yuri Tielemans, are now being told that they're going to need to pay £30 million and there's going to need to be some additional add-ons there. And that could potentially take the value of the deal 
up to around about 35, 36 million pounds. And that is nearly 11 million pounds more than Arsenal had planned to pay for Yuri Tielemann. So Arsenal feel a little bit frustrated by this and have decided to take a step back, have a look at the situation a little bit later on in the window. It doesn't look like there are tons of clubs at the moment queuing up for Yuri Tielemans, which is strange. Um, as I've said to you guys before, earlier on in the window, I do feel the fact that he was probably a little bit under par in his performances last season has impacted him there. And as it's kind of like that recency bias that often takes over in football. I don't think he's become a bad player over the course of one season. Obviously, he had some injury problems. That puts people off as well. Um, but his stock, obviously, at the back end of last season isn't going to be as high as it was at the back end of the season prior. So there isn't an awful lot of interest from other clubs at the moment. And Arsenal are probably looking at this and thinking they can bide their time and they can... Um, you know, uh, sort of afford to kind of take a step back here and, and see how this one plays out in the coming weeks. Uh, we've got a Spurs fan uh, getting a bit leery in the chat box, uh, blocked. There we go. Off you go. See you later, mate. I just, I don't understand. Like, I have never in my life tuned into a Spurs channel, ever, because I wouldn't want to waste my time. Why they come here, I don't know. But anyway, they do because they're sad and they've got nothing else to do. Uh, OK, so that's the latest on Tielemans. It's another report um, sort of doing the rounds. And again, I am just relaying reports. I, I don't know how true they are, but I think it's worth us uh, talking about them. I think it's worth us uh, discussing them. Um, and I think it's worth us um, being aware of what is being said about our football club uh, at the moment, being aware of uh, what is being said at the moment. How's this Spurs guy popped up when I just blocked him again? Jesus, desperate to get in. He's desperate. Uh, I also wanted to just touch before we move on to the Q&A bit on the future of Hector Bayerin. Uh, obviously, he spent last season on loan with Real Betis. They really like him. He really likes being there and he wants to make that deal permanent. As of yet, there's been no real movement on this. Real Betis are yet to um, match the asking price that Arsenal set, which I don't know what it is exactly, by the way, um, but it uh, it seems like the two clubs aren't anywhere near agreeing on a fee for Hector Bellerin, but there's probably a feeling in Spain that, again, similarly to the situations with Torreira and various other players that Arsenal are looking to move on, if they wait towards the end of the window, they probably stand a better chance of getting them in a cut price deal. However, another club, according to Goal in Spain, have entered into the mix when it comes to Hector Bellerin, and that is Atletico Madrid. Um, it's said that Atletico Madrid are interested in Hector Bellerin and have not approached Arsenal yet and not sort of firmed up their interest in any formal way, but that they are keeping an ear uh, close to the situation in order to try and understand what is happening as they may be interested in potentially hijacking that deal. Now, that's going to be difficult for Atletico because, um, you know, Hector Bayerin appears to have his heart set on a move to Real Betis. It's a club uh, that his family supported as a boy. Um, you know, so it, it feels to me like, um, like he, you know, he's dead set on that. It, it's, it's a move that... I think he wants to make. And so, you know, is Atletico Madrid enough to kind of, are they big enough to turn his head? They are a huge club and they've been competitive in La Liga and they've, you know, been competitive in Europe throughout Diego Simeone's tenure there. Really, they've done a really, really good job. But is that appeal big enough to pull him away from the club that he ultimately wants to be at for 
I guess, reasons beyond money. It's not about money with Hector Bellerin. You know, he, he he's not fussed about that. He knows he's going to earn less at Real Betis moving forward. Um, he knows that there are clubs out there that would probably be interested that would give him a far more lucrative offer and a far more lucrative contract. But that's where he wants to be. So it's going to take some time uh, for this one to get resolved, in my opinion, because of the, the distance between where Arsenal are and where Real Betis are at. But it's interesting to note that other clubs are keeping an eye, um, you know, on uh, on uh, Hector Bellerin and uh, where he's going to end up. What is going on with all these spammers? Uh, in the chat, popping up from different clubs. It must be one sad guy with about 12 different YouTube accounts and he just, uh, you know, flicks between them. Anyway, they're all blocked for the time being. Okay, look, let's get your thoughts. Let's get your questions in uh, to the live chat and I'll pick up as many of them as I possibly can between now and the end of the stream. Uh, I don't know why people keep jumping in and saying Arsenal get battered. I'll just block you all. Um, easy. Anyway, uh, get your questions in and let's take as many of those as we possibly can for the remainder of the show. Uh, Luke Williams says, has the Zinchenko links completely died? Uh, have the Zinchenko links completely died? Um, I think he'd fit in at Arsenal nicely. I don't think they're completely dead. I think that there is still the possibility that Zinchenko leaves Manchester City come the end of this window. Um, you know, it's interesting because we thought that Zinchenko would be a really appealing prospect because of the fact that he can play left back and in centre midfield and that that might tempt Arsenal into making a move for him. He's got that Premier League experience, which helps. He's got that uh, knowledge and understanding of Mikel Arteta and his ways because of their time together at Manchester City. But when you think about it, when you think about the fact that we're interested in Lisandro Martinez now. That makes a lot more sense, in my opinion, because I think we're lighter in the left centre-back position than we are in centre midfield. So it makes sense to try and bring in a left-back that could potentially help us there, as well as in his primary position. So I was big on the Zinchenko idea until I heard of the link to Lisandro Martinez. And I'm still not against the idea of Zinchenko. I'd actually quite like him. You know, I think he'd be a really good signing. I've talked before about what a good fit I think he would be. But Lissandro Martinez makes a lot of sense as well. And I think you're probably going to have to pay around about the same money to get them out of their respective clubs. Um, you know, Zinchenko, you know, is, is ultimately, if he does move on, going to be coming from a club that have no need really for finance and have no need really other than to make the books look a bit more uh, solid for FFP. They don't really have much reason to kind of be demanding big money here. And then, of course, you've got to convince Zinchenko that this is the place for him. I think Lissandro Martinez, though, who is slightly different, as I say, in the way that he covers different positions, but obviously left back too, but other positions as well, can play in that defensive midfield role like Zinchenko can, but can also play um, left uh, left centre-back. I think that will, will, will appeal to Arsenal more. So I don't think it's completely dead, but it has gone a little bit quiet in terms of uh, the latest um, rumours doing the rounds. And listen, you know, the transfer stuff, it does get tedious. It does get boring. And I'm at the point now where, yeah, the last week has been really exciting in terms of the players we've been linked with. But now you're just sitting here thinking, come on, get a move on. And, and you know, there is a lot of repetition in what we're doing and it's, it is frustrating. Um, so, yeah, let's see. I don't think it's completely dead, but I've not heard anything to suggest that it's close to... Uh, it's close to... Um, 
happening either. Uh, John Daly says, um, if you could pick a Premier League club of each of our outgoings, what team would you pick? Do you mean where I'd want them to go? I don't want them to go anywhere because I don't want to have to dislike them playing for any opposition clubs. Um, I would have thought that a good move for Burn Leno might have been Newcastle. Uh, but we knew that they were in the market for a goalkeeper. We know that they're a club that you know aren't quite there yet, but are likely to be on the up in the not too distant future. And um, But they've gone ahead and signed Nick Pope. And I think for £10 million, that's a really, really good deal, isn't it, uh, for Newcastle United? I quite like Nick Pope. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really know where I would send them. I'll have a think about that one and come back to you because it's a good question, but one that probably needs a bit of thought. Uh, Stephen Allen says, who are your Rafinha alternatives if we don't get him? A lot of people have been talking about Cody Gakpo. Um, looks like he might be on the way to Leeds. He could end up being Rafinha's replacement there. Other than that, Serge Gnabry is the other name that that jumps out to me in terms of a winger. But beyond that, haven't really got an opinion on on anybody. And that's, you know, I'm I'm not. I don't like the idea of like making ten player shortlists and then working your way through it until you get the one that you want. I think you ultimately sort of are accepting that, you know, you're you're not going to get your first choice. No, no, wait. Let me rephrase that. You're not accepting of the fact that you're not going to get your first choice. But what you're doing is almost legitimizing the idea of signing someone who's your fourth and fifth choice. When actually, if you want to be ambitious and you want to move on, you can have two or three choices, but you shouldn't really stray too far away from that. I think Tottenham are a prime example of that. When they signed Nuno Espirito Santo, what was he, 10th, 11th on the list? And look how that worked out. They sacked him within a few months. So I think when you have too long of a shortlist, you're legitimising the idea or the fact that you don't think you can get your first or second or third choice. And I don't really uh, want us to do that. But Serge Gnabry would be the one outside of Rafinha that I'd look to, particularly given what he's likely to be available for. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Wondering Minstrel says, do you think the Tielemans deal hit a snag due to agents? And that's why we pause the deal. Our view is take out offer or leave it. I do think that's the case. I've said that that's probably the case over the last week or so. But as I say, as I was relaying a report earlier on, there is contradictory information to that now doing the rounds. But again, don't know how accurate that is. So got to be mindful of that. Uh, Matt G says, let's say we sign Jesus, Tielemans, Martinez and Rafinha along with our confirmed signings. How different do you think our transfer would have been if we got top four? Not very different at all. Um, and, and that is what's encouraging for me. We're still being linked with the calibre of player that I think we would have been linked with had we been in the Champions League. And that is a testament to the work that the club are doing and the fact that, you know, people believe that this project is at the very least moving in the right direction. I've said it before, I'll say it again. When you look at Spurs' business, if you look at what they've done so far in the window and you look at you know, let, let's take let's take Tielemans out of there in case that doesn't happen. Let's take Martinez out of there even. If we only end up with Saliba coming back, Jesus, Rafinha, um, and obviously Matt Turner coming in, I would argue that that's as good a window as Spurs have had based on what they've done so far. A lot of clamour about Basuma. Good player. Yeah, great. But is that a Champions League signing? It doesn't feel like that to me. If I was a Spurs fan, and again, the window is young and they still might do more. But if I was a Spurs fan, I'd still have my eyes on the club and be saying, come on, show us that you mean business. Come on, prove to us 
that you've got ambition now that we've got back into the Champions League to establish ourselves there and move forward. Um, Robert says, uh, could Zinchenko be swapped for Tierney? Um, it's a hard one, right? Because I like Zinchenko. I like Tierney. I, I'm, I'm a big believer this summer that it's about adding to the squad rather than rather than replacing people. Like, for example, when there was all the talk about Tielemans, my view was very much that it should be Tielemans and Xhaka. It shouldn't be Tielemans for Xhaka because then you take Xhaka out and you end up dropping down a level in terms of the next in line. The Lakongas, the Elnenis, they're not quite there. Lakonga may be there one day, but he's not there yet. Elneny's still got well, Elneny is just Elneny, right? We know what Elneny is. He's not going to get better at this stage in his career necessarily. So I would like to see additions rather than replacements. I have that worry and that concern about Kieran Tierney when it comes to his fitness. And that potentially makes me a little bit more open to that idea than I would be with someone else. But I'm still uh, very much on board with the idea of adding as opposed to um, you know, replacing, because I don't know that you build greater depth if you keep doing that. Uh, big thank you to Raphael Lim, who's just joined up to the channel as a member. Thank you so much, Raphael. Make sure uh, you click the community tab and find the Discord link and join us there. If you're interested in becoming a member and supporting me to bring you daily Arsenal content, you can do so via the link in the description. Uh, Robin Diamond says, do you think Hector Bellerin will return to Arsenal if Betis can't afford him? He had a good season last year and seems to have recovered his form after the cruciate injury. I don't see him coming back. And, and that's why I keep saying that Betis will be biding their time here because they know that there's no appetite on the players' part for him to come back. The club are not massively you know, interested in diverting away from their current plans to bring him back. And so you'll end up... Um, He'll end up in a place where I think that there'll be compromise on both sides just to facilitate that exit. Uh, Amira says, hi, Harry. If we had signed Martinez earlier before IX started selling, do you think the fee quoted for him would have been lesser or is that what he's worth anyways? I'd argue that's probably around about what he's worth anyways, but I do think that the fact that Ajax will be mindful and wary of letting too many players go and the consequences of that and then potentially leaving themselves with too much to do between now and the end of the window to compensate for all those exits. I do think that will encourage Ajax to drive a much harder bargain. So I do think had we acted a little bit quicker, um, potentially line that deal up ahead of the summer, then maybe uh, we'd have been in a better position. But again, as I always say, it's not just down to the selling, uh, to the purchasing club, I beg your pardon. There are other factors at play that don't always make that possible. A uh, big thank you to Tom for your very, very kind uh, super chat donation, mate. Thank you so, so much. He says, Harry, with who we are linked to, is there a chance Arteta might be looking for versatility in the formation as well? Not just a 4-3-3, maybe back three, maybe even a 4-4-2 uh, as well. Yeah, uh, I think keep saying it this summer versatility is seems to be the name of the game this summer um, and that will be both pre-game in terms of the way you line up but also in-game as well I think Mikel Arteta loves the idea of being able to adapt to certain game states in-game and having versatile personnel in your side allows you to do that much easier um, so yeah I do think that versatility is something that he's definitely focusing on he also says Tom uh, bang that like button yes please do let's try and get to 250 likes ASAP 
let's keep going through the chat. Um, I have missed out some of your questions. I am sorry. Um, but the chat is uh, is updating uh, constantly, and I do miss stuff. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, L Scully says, do you think Torreira might stay and become part of the team? I personally feel he still has a lot to offer. I think Emery ruined him tried to play, trying to play him further forward. Look, if we can't get what Lucas Torreira is worth or close to that or basically just a respectable amount of money, then I'm, I am open to Lucas Torreira coming back. I've always believed that there's a player in Lucas Torreira. I've always been concerned by the fact, though, that he clearly isn't all in at Arsenal and clearly has an issue living in England and doesn't like it and isn't happy. And if you're not happy, how can you thrive? Um, but when I hear rumours like Harry Winks going to Everton for sort of around about £15 million, it begs the question as to why on earth we can't get some decent money in for Lucas Torreira. Obviously, it's different because Premier League to Premier League, there's a premium that comes just from that alone. And obviously, when you're talking about the likes of Everton in comparison with Fiorentina or, or some of the other clubs, Lazio, who have been rumoured to be interested with Lucas Torreira, there's a big disparity in what they can spend. So you understand why it's harder, but it just it just reinforces the point that actually what we're even asking for Lucas Torreira, which is around about, I think, eight to ten million pounds, is peanuts. So, yeah, look, if we can't get deal over the line that sees him leave, which I believe is his preference and probably Arsenal's preference at this point, then I've got no issue with him coming back into the fold. Because as I say, I think as a player, he's got something to offer. A uh, big thank you to uh, Emmanuel, who joins us from Nairobi in Kenya. He says he's a gooner for life and he wishes uh, me well. Thank you so much, Emmanuel. Uh, wish you all the best as well, my friend. Um, let's see what else we've got. Going to pick up a couple more of your questions before we go. Uh, Haris in uh, Cyprus says, that if Jesus doesn't happen, who else will we be in for? Or do we just have a false nine and pack out the midfield? Eddie and Martinelli are the only options. What about Balogun? Or is he going out on loan? Again, I think I'd rather Arsenal went all out and got the target that they really, really want. And that appears to be Gabriel Jesus, right? In terms of alternatives, again, couldn't really name you an awful lot. For me, it was Darwin Nunez, but obviously that deal um, wasn't possible. And obviously, for the price he went, I can understand why if Arsenal did have an opportunity prior to Liverpool's involvement, they may have sort of been put off. But I think the minute Liverpool came into the negotiation, that was that. Um, Darwin you know, has the opportunity to go and join a club that are much more competitive than us at this moment in time and who are willing to pay the price and willing to offer him a very competitive contract. So outside of that, Beyond Gabriel Jesus, I'm not really sure. And again, it comes back to identifying clear targets, targets you believe can help you and then making sure that you do your utmost to get them as opposed to sort of working your way down a list and ending up with your fourth or fifth choice. Um, as for uh, Balogun, I don't really know what the situation is with following Balogun. There's not been an awful lot said about it or reported about it, which is interesting. He went on loan to Middlesbrough, did okay at Middlesbrough. Um, but what the future holds for him, I'm not entirely sure at this moment. Uh, what else have we got? Let's pick up a couple more. Um, Inny says, uh, speaking of Torreira, is there any way to know and prevent a team from signing a player who comes in and becomes homesick? No, not really. I mean, how could you, how could you know that? I think you can get an idea from someone's character. 
as to whether they've got the kind of mental strength to to uproot, move to another place and uh, and essentially sort of change their lifestyle. But, you know, it's a risk you take. As I always say, transfers are risks, um, whatever way you look at them. And uh, and I think that that's a, an issue that you can't really avoid. You can have an idea going into a deal, but can you be 100% sure? No, no, you can't. Uh, Ross Taylor says, Harry, surely we need a target man up front. Listen, I've I've been beating that drum for a while. I believe that we need a striker who can offer that side of things as well. Um, and clearly, that's not the route that Arsenal are going down, uh, based on the fact that they are in hot pursuit of Gabriel Jesus. But it's not just about it's not just about that for me. You know, a target man is an option, but it's not the way that you want to focus your play anymore. I don't think. I think in the modern game, you know, you look at Man City, you look at Liverpool, they've made a little bit of a shift towards the likes of Darwin Nunez and Erling Haaland, who do do have that physicality. But let's be honest, they're not being signed because they're over six foot tall. They're being signed because they can run channels, because they can link up play. And in addition to all of those excellent things, they can also offer height and power in the box. Now, Gabriel Jesus offers all of those other things, in my opinion, just without that height. Um, but we're not yet at the point, I think, where we're going to be getting the very, very elite. Um, so I think we're shopping in the bracket below. And I think Gabriel Jesus is as good as you can find in that bracket below. And so why not go out and get him? I think it'd be nice in the future if we had an alternative striking option that could come off the bench, for example, and give us that in the way that Olivier Giroud uh, did during a period of time and still does now for Milan and did for Chelsea to great effect. But is that the way that, you know, I'd rather we we have a player that can press and be aggressive and, and help the collective as opposed to being almost obsessed with the idea of having a big man. I'd like a big man. I'd like that option. I've always liked that option. But, is it the priority in terms of what you're looking for in a centre-forward? I don't think it's right at the top of the list for me personally, but great point, Ross. Uh, big thank you to the Fort Lauderdale Guna Craig uh, for his very kind donation. Thank you so much, mate. Really, really do appreciate it. There's not really a question, but just showing some love for the channel. Keep up the good work, my friend. And uh, and uh, thank you, mate, for all your support. I really, really do appreciate it. Look, I am going to have to jump off just because uh, I have to get down uh, to my next job over at TalkSport. Join me on TalkSport 2 between 4 and 6 p.m. today with Shabana Hearn. We're going to be talking all things transfers and whatever else uh, producer Jeremy comes up with. Really looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, come and join me for that on the TalkSport app via DAB or online. Uh, also, just one more reminder before we leave, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button. Um I'd love to get to that 250 uh, likes mark before we leave. And of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Catch you all very, very soon. Apologies for the scrambling around at the beginning, looking for a laptop charger, all of that jazz. How very unprofessional of me, but eh, is what it is. Catch you all soon. Uh, and I'm sure uh, we'll speak again uh, over the weekend. All the best. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. <laughs> 